This is the one with non-gravity squash. That scene from V. Cornetto hairdos. Limbs in limbo. And an army of bellends. It's called the Leisure Hive. Here, Here we, we go. go. <laughs> <laughs> We're embarking on a voyage all through time and all through space. Counting Daleks, Dalent Boot, and the Cybertronic race. Sontarans look like taters, and Silurians all have wonky scales. And the Doctor has a TARDIS. We're reviewing all his tales. Who back when? There is who back when Subscribe and read on iTunes please Episode by episode we're trudging down this temporal road Come join us on this odyssey What other choice could there be than Who back when Who back when Well, hello there Beautiful, wonderful, marvellous, super terrific Great people out there in podcast land And I can't remember if I started that with welcome But welcome to <laughs> Another episode of Who Back When, a Doctor Who podcast. Or Docpast. <laughs> or Docpast, indeed. My, that was a very nice voice. I that's think that must you. have come from Mr. Leon. Is that correct? It is correct. Yeah, that's me. I'm Leon. Hello. Hello, Jim. Hello, Podcast Land. Oh, hello, Leon. <laughs> hello, uh, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, as you heard there, if you didn't know already, I am Jim, introing this for you today. And we will be talking about, mostly, but maybe not exclusively, C-110, The Leisure Hive. The start of and season this 18. Is, this is us continuing a possible break in numbering that other people don't do, because we've included Sharda as a normal episode. Yeah, that's right. I look forward to your emails, podcast land. <laughs> <laughs> And our continuing confusion over numbers. Anyway. Correct. Yes. So the Leisure Hive is what we're talking about. What did you think top level, Leon, then? Wow. Top level is really difficult to say because this was a very mixed bag for me. Oh, interesting. Okay. What did you think? I think overall I quite liked it, actually. Here's my friend who doesn't quite agree with me. Like, I think there, there are definitely some problems, and I'm sure you will help me and rip some things apart. But I'll try. <laughs> um, I'm not quite ready to rip anything apart or sing its praises just yet. I feel like I need some kind of little explanation of what the hell's going on. Shall we give Podcast Man a bit of bite so chunk of who? I think that's a lovely suggestion. Let's do that. Time for us to synopsize, lebify and summarize. So take a view and grab a brief and listen to this overview. This free for all, we like to call a bite-sized chunk of who. Bite-sized chunk of who. After interstellar nuclear war with the reptilian Formazi ravaged the planet Argolis, forced a few remaining survivors below ground and made them sterile in the process, the Argolians did the only sane thing and turned their home into a low-rent center parks. As luck would have it, canines just exploded, so Romana suggests they head there to unwind. Boasting a non-gravity squash court and all the science classes you could want, the titular Leisure Hive in fact plays host to intricate experiments in tachyonics as a last recourse in keeping the Argolis in civilization alive. But what if the experiments are fake? And why are people dying during armless scientific demonstrations? Only Doc and Romana can figure it out. Beast cow over. <laughs> you, you are, are welcome. welcome. <laughs> Aren't you just? Oh my god, they're so welcome. Well, where do we start with this one? I mean, we could for once start right at the very start because we get a very different start to this episode. Yeah, it, it's, it feels like a non sequitur in reverse. 
I, what? <laughs> <laughs> As in everything that follows the introductory scene on Brighton Beach or by Brighton Pier feels like a non sequitur to that intro. Uh, yes, I see what you're saying. How do you feel about the new intro then? Oh, sorry, you mean the intro, the actual, uh, yeah, the theme, the new intro sequence, the new photo, the new logo. I don't yeah, like it. Yeah, yeah. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, was fully expecting that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, okay, th- there are certain things about it maybe to like. I was super excited when it happened. I mean, like, super duper excited because it's something new, but I really prefer the old one. The old one is my intro. It's the one that I grew up watching and yeah. the one that I remember from when I was a kid. So this feels... It feels like the 80s have vomited into a disco ball. How do you feel about the logo? We no longer have the diamond logo. Now it's meant to look like a defunct neon sign. Yeah, I think the logo is possibly my least favorite change they've introduced. I actually kind of like the music. I don't know. I think I kind of hated the music to start with, but <laughs> by episode four, I was I was loving it. It's like, oh yeah, a bit of synth, bit of, I don't even know if that is electric guitar. It might just be synthesized guitar, but yeah, <laughs> I'm on board. <laughs> I have a feeling that I'm going to grow to love it. <laughs> Did you notice I mean, that the out... Oh, sorry, go for it, sorry. I was just going to say, like, I, for me, that set the tone for the entire serial, though. It's like, balls to the walls, this is 80s in your face. <laughs> <laughs> balls in my face? Oh, what? <laughs> Did you notice that the outro, day. which has the same music, obviously, the outro ends on an explosion? Ah. Like, it, it explodes into white. You know what? I didn't peg why it was reminding me so much of Red Dwarf, and that's why, because they do the same thing. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Seriously, it, this has now turned into a fortnightly tradition. I, You make a reference to Red Dwarf, <laughs> and I say, oh my god, I really need to watch Red Dwarf. <laughs> but oh my god, I really need to watch it. <laughs> Sister yeah, podcast. I think at this point, you may as well not, because I think people would miss it. <laughs> you just have to lie afterwards. If, even if you watch it now, you have to lie. Just pretend you've never seen it. <laughs> <laughs> also, at, by now, surely you've quoted all of it. So. Well, yeah, probably. Yeah. So, more, more to say about logos and, and what have you? No, I don't know what else to say. I mean, I have a feeling that I'm probably going to really like this intro after a while. And I'll probably miss this intro when it shifts to the the fifth Doctor. I'm assuming that's when we get the next intro type, as in a season from now. Yeah, I have no idea, to be honest. Well, I mean, they're going to have to replace Tom Baker in it. Well, that's true. But they, did they always update it when they, they changed before? Or did they just reinsert a different face in it? Oh, I see what you're saying. That's a good question. I think they changed it up completely. I don't remember the yeah. caramel marble vortex thing when we had Pertwee, for example. I think that's a Tom Baker thing. Yeah, I guess it's a good opportunity to revamp make it. it feel like it's different. Yeah, revamp. That's the word. I can tell you something else. You probably saw this in the trivia. Tom Baker also did not like this intro. Yeah, I got the impression reading uh, Wikipedia that this entire this shift up. So we're now under, I think, the production reigns of John Nathan Turner. This is he's now in charge of stuff. I like think so. Yeah, it, and will be for this this season. And it, yeah, it just really seems like too much changed at once, and a lot of people weren't on board. Yeah, I think so too. Well, since we're talking about revamping, and I'm sorry, by the way, I thought you were referring to the Brighton intro before. Apologies. But what did you feel about the new TARDIS, about the new outfit? Gone is the the classic scarf, for example. Yeah. TARDIS, to be honest, I'm terrible at really noticing unless it's like the new Who ones where they totally change it and they make a point to have a big opening scene of this is the new TARDIS. Yeah. (laughs) In in the classics, I'm just like, oh, yeah, 
maybe the the roundels are different. I don't know. <laughs> well, you know what? I'm not sure they did anything with the interior. I'm trying to remember this now myself. I'm not certain that they revamped the interior, but the exterior is definitely new. Like the prop itself, the okay. blue box is a new box, and it is freaking beautiful. Is it a lot darker? I think so. Yeah. One of the... It is okay. I did spot that then. It's darker, yeah, and I, I apparently mean... it's made from fiberglass. Okay. So yeah. I guess that was a new material that they were just like, yes, let's use that. <laughs> well, as opposed to wood, it used to be an actual blue wooden box. Yeah. Don't know why it had to change. Really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. More durable. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I, I noticed that it was a slightly different color. Other than that, I, I didn't kind of see a positive or negative either way, I think. Okay, yeah, you're, fair enough. You're in love with the new TARDIS, it seems. I, I think it's beautiful, yeah. It's also, I mean, I, I recognize it as being not the TARDIS that I grew up with, but it is, yeah, it's stunning. So your growing up has stopped? Have you not really seen anything of this, this era of Tom Baker or, or I, Latter I, Doctors then? I know that I've seen the next one, Megalos. I remember that one. Uh, okay. But I don't remember the intro. Like I, <laughs> I, I only remember the, you know, the, the sequence that we, the intro theme that we've had up until now with Tom Baker. But I know that we've seen the next one, that I've seen the next one, and I'm assuming there are at least a couple more that I've seen. And one Peter okay. Davison. Um, yeah, Doc's, Doc's outfit. I think I kind of liked it, actually. Um, I know this this was another thing that Tom Baker didn't like, that he'd lost his scarf. Uh, but apparently, I think one of the wardrobe people kind of like went to bat for him, and like they, he, was, he was not going to have a scarf full stop, and they put a scarf in. It's just not his big multicolored one. I don't understand why you would change that. That is such an iconic part of this Doc. Yeah. It seems like a radical change. I don't really mind. I I think it would have been weird if he didn't have a scarf at all. And this one seems even longer (laughs) to the point where they use it in the story. Yeah, I was going to say, exactly. Yeah, I mean, there's a whole scene where it's tied to a statue and Ramon is just dragging it around because apparently that's how it works. (laughs) It doesn't tip over and it just (laughs) follows her around. I prefer his old look, but, I mean, it's fine. Even current Doctor, sorry, not not the current Doctor, actually. The current Doctor, the 13th Doctor, has an outfit, and that's the one that she always wears. But the current New Who Doctor that we're reviewing, Capaldi, he changes it up every now and then. Like, he'll not always wear the same coat, he'll not always wear the same hoodie or sweater or what have you. Yeah. Is that a per-season thing, though, or does he change it more willy-nilly? I think it's more willy-nilly, which is way more natural, yeah, you ever wear just yes. the same clothes all the time. There is another thing, though, to do with Doc's outfit, which I only noticed once, but I'm guessing because it was so in your face, it's meant to be visible more, is that his lapels have question marks on them. But it yeah. seems to be, like, underneath the lapel or something. It wasn't really obvious most of the time. Yeah, either, the, or maybe the, point. is it the lapels? I thought it was his shirt collar. And I thought maybe he had popped his uh, collar in some weird way, because they, you're right, they're sort of pointing inwards. But then, yeah, it, I, I had also completely forgotten that Tom Baker at one point has question marks on his collar. I thought that was, you know, way past Fourth Doctor. He still looks like the Fourth Doctor. He's just he does, yeah. So the uh, the beat intro though, with the you you were trying to talk about, and uh, I had thrown you a curveball. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that was just my misunderstanding. The beach intro seems like it's only there to write K nine out of this serial, because otherwise this serial could very happily start with them materializing thanks to the randomizer on uh, Argolis. Yeah, very true. But then. <laughs> I mean, how shocked were you when K9 just suddenly runs into the water and explodes? <laughs> well, my notes are just like, first of all, yeah, we get it. The beach is empty because like that panning shot is like probably 
a minute plus, two minutes. Yeah. Literally just, oh, here's an empty beach. And then, yeah, K9 is moving along the beach. This is a thing we've not seen from K9 before. I know, yeah. Which is bonkers. Like, they either went to some lengths to make it so that it looked like he was on the beach, but he wasn't really. Like, there's a flat surface. Or they've upgraded his wheels, trucks, whatever, and he can go over that uneven terrain. Yeah, and then, then they, they write him out of the cereal. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's redonkulous. It's totally redonkulous. But also, like, why isn't he water resistant? And he has the most enormous brain. He is a brain on wheels, yeah. the shape of a dog. Wouldn't he know that he that he's just going to explode? Exactly. He doesn't play fetch. <laughs> <laughs> Not fetch that's going to endanger him. Yeah. <laughs> no, okay, no, don't go off the cliff. <sighs> Canine, you're the only dog who can go through this weird interdimensional phase wall. You're flame retardant. People can shoot lasers at you and you'll be fine. Rocks, boulders can fall on you, you'll be fine. A drop of water, though, head explodes. (laughs) I think I almost wouldn't have minded if it was just like a slight short circuit. It's the fact that there's a bloody explosion. (laughs) (laughs) It's just such a... Fuck you to K9. (laughs) You're not going to be in this. We're not even going to under the serial off with a montage of, oh, I guess we should repair him. And then we see the doctor, you know, bolting his head back on or anything like that. Like nothing. No mention of K9 during the entire serial. It's just in the beginning. Kablamo. Done. Let's move on. I think there might might be a sentence at the end when they're getting back in the TARDIS. Oh, really? we'll see K9 or something like that, you know? (laughs) Oh, my my mistake. I'm sorry. But yeah, it's, it's literally uh, an audio only thing, you know, after, after the fact. Yeah, just idiot. My biggest takeaway from that intro sequence, though, is that I, like, I can now relate to Romana too a little bit more because she shares my opinion of beach holidays. Her, <laughs> her sentiment there of like, why can't we do something constructive? <laughs> We're on a holiday. This beach is shit. There's no one else around. My dog's just exploded. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I generally thought as well that Tom Baker had called in sick or something and just shoved someone in his outfit and <laughs> dropped them on a deck chair because he's just lying there with his face all covered and it just looked really weird. I was just like, oh, is, is he just not going to be in this serial? <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> We're going to have a Doctor Free serial. You know what? This is a very Doctor Light serial. Tom Baker does not do a heck of a lot in this. Uh, I guess that's true, actually. Mm-hmm. Which is, and I, I don't want to pillage my bullet points from the review section of this episode but that is definitely one of the biggest minus points for me that the doctor doesn't seem to he doesn't act much he doesn't do much in this yeah that's that's an interesting point and romana is probably picking up some of the slack yeah i agree but actually maybe it's more that the characters of the week are actually more present yeah Hmm, interesting observation did you also get a slight feeling that new who might have used this as inspiration for a couple of episodes the ones that sprung to my mind were midnight oh i'm pretty sure it's the same thing where there's some kind of leisure facility and the outside is in uninhabitable that's true yeah that's a good point and then the exact same thing comes back with shitty orphan 55 Ugh, which never happened year of the <laughs> gas leak year of the gas leak yeah that's that's true maybe we're kind of that's encroaching on trope territory maybe but i definitely see the parallel with midnight yeah that's a good reference i think that's the yeah it's very close to trope maybe maybe it's done more often than i realize but i think it's just that exact thing of there's a some kind of leisure facility and the outside is gonna kill you (laughs) yeah (laughs) inside this dome is paradise outside you fry yeah 
yeah. Okay, so how about we transition to the uh, the aliens of the week, uh, or of the month, rather, and the overall plot by way of the oddest transition effect ever. Because we, we have that strange zoom out with stars around Roman and the Doctor. Like, oh, it, yeah. it pans away from them, and we just see space and everything. Like, they're just in focus in the middle. And my assumption, my notes, in fact, are a testament to this. My assumption at the time was that, oh, someone's spying on them from afar. Like someone's yeah. looking at them from across space, but it is just a really weird transition effect. I actually kind of liked it though. There's a like <laughs> 80s synth soundtrack going over the top of it, and for some reason it gave me um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy like having TV show vibes. Oh, that's true, isn't it? Oh, you know what? I ha- I still haven't seen the TV show, but yeah, it does feel a little hitchhikery. Well, I I don't know. I think this is possibly why I was enjoying this so much. It was just like a bit of a wave of 80s just coming over me, and it's just like, oh man, I've not experienced this stuff for like 40 <laughs> years. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, actually, uh-huh. uh, those that really care out there in podcast land, which is probably no one, we have now reached the point where I am alive. Oh, oh hang on. I'm going to raise a beaker. Welcome to the <laughs> world, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, happy birthday, I guess. Literally, you've been birthed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this started, the first broadcast was 30th of August, 1980. And would you care uh, to share with Podcast Land when your when... birthday is? No, I would not. <laughs> but <laughs> between the last one and this one. <laughs> <laughs> right, so transitioning. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Aliens of the week. Which one do you want to start with? Can we start with the Cornetto heads? Yes, in your opinion. Do the carpets match the drapes? <laughs> 100%. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Not just the hairdo, it's the their, their skin tone. Yeah, they, they've got green skin-ish, sort of light green, almost green bronze skin. Yeah. The chaps all have a goatee. Not unlike your current goatee. Well... That may be a coincidence, it may not. <laughs> ah, I like it. Very thematic in keeping with the review. They have giant green cornetto hair. <laughs> and as yep. they age, little baubles fall from their heads. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> they pop their cherries multiple times. <laughs> Which I think is really gross. I mean, I'm sorry. That, that's just gross, isn't it? <laughs> Like, yeah, you age a decade and a finger falls off. <laughs> but in addition to How that, are like... you? Oh, I've only got two fingers left, man. <laughs> I mean, we get to see this twice or thrice, I think, in the serial, that one of these balls just falls off someone's head. Yeah. And they react in the sense of, I'm more in tune with my own mortality. I'm closer to death in that one of my balls has dropped. But they just leave it there. So that means they're just like... Yeah. I mean, at some point, someone has to go around and hoover balls off the floor. Maybe there's a, a very creepy collection somewhere. That's very... That, it, it really grossed me out. <laughs> I think my immediate thought with it was it had vibes of, like, Logan's Run. Like this, oh, that's... There's yes, an almost you're right. Synth, they seemed kind of synthetic. Like, you're describing them as balls. My immediate... Actually, no, my immediate, immediate thought was, oh, it's like uh, the marbles doing a little marble run that they, they've set up. <laughs> But unfortunately, they just plop off. It, I mean, that would have been nice, wouldn't it? If they did like a helter skelter down around the head and then <laughs> bounce off the ear or something. 
Get that, will you? Logan's run with the crystal in the palm or whatever. Yes, you're right, exactly. So there there is a visible indicator of someone's, uh, not mortality, but certainly someone's age. Yeah, I think this is not quite the same and not done as well and has the, uh, yeah, the slightly grossing feature of that there's now something which we don't ever know what it is. Like, it it could be a synthetic thing. I don't know. But it also also looks very close to their bodies and... Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't want to body shame any aliens out there, but it's revolting. (laughs) I'm really sorry. It is revolting. (laughs) If they were to pick it off the table and go like, oh, I'm sorry, put it in their pocket for later or whatever, then that's a different thing. But I mean, it's not even the same as, I mean, people shed hair, animals shed hair, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Standard. But this is like your nose falls off. And you just leave the nose on the table and walk away. <laughs> Gross. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, so we have there the Argolans. They're all more or less, all of them, of an age. Um, were you yeah. surprised that one of them was not? Because I, I feel like he looked too young for this to be a proper plot twist. You know what? I don't think I saw it actually before it was happening. I don't think I was particularly surprised either. I think maybe because there isn't one singular reveal. Like there's kind of lots of mini revelations. That's true, yeah. It felt like for, for other people there wasn't just a grand, aha, I'm <laughs> super, super young, I've been cloned, aha. Up until the reveal, I assumed that he was the son of of what's-her-face, Mina. I thought he was her son, and consequently he must be, like, the last person to be, to have been born in this civilization. So there was this... I think I didn't really piece together what the implication was and my interpretation was that I, well, I didn't know how long they had been around but they were also they were aging in an accelerated fashion I think was what was said yeah it's sort of exponential so, so towards the yeah. end they seem to age more rapidly exactly so it's, it's hard knowing that like whether it would have been a problem that he's so young and they're so old because exponentials blow that out of the water entirely that's a good point yeah yeah so I yeah I was kind of on board for this being a, a revelation where and turns out that they're just kicking out clones, or at least developing the technology to kick out clones from... They've all donated cells, apparently. Like, all of the surviving members of their race have, like, oh, here you go, here's a nail. <laughs> or here's one here's of my, one of my their balls. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's why they don't immediately collect them up. Someone else is going for the, for the machine. Yeah. Okay, so 40 years ago, or whatever it was, they had the uh, war with the Foamasi, who were gigantic dinosaur people. <laughs> and this war lasted 20 minutes, during which <laughs> yep. both planets were utterly destroyed. In the case of the Ogolin, they were turned uh, sterile, yada, yada, yada. We already said this in the Beast Cow. The Foamasi, though, we don't get to know anything about them. Like, what happened to them during the war? I don't know, actually. I, I didn't really piece together that their planet got destroyed. Well, not destroyed, but ruined as well. But that makes sense because that's why they want to come to Argolis. Yeah, exactly. They can live on the surface. Which like begs the question: Why don't they just live on the surface? I was gonna say. <laughs> like, I know that, that they were <laughs> they were warring with each other, and there's some history there. But <laughs> but it's not like I mean they can happily live on the surface, and they will never encounter each other. They can just live in peace. Yeah. The people below the surface they'll resent the uh, Fomati obviously because they've been forced to live below the surface. But it's not like they can live on the surface anymore just like move it don't even tell them you know what fuck it don't even tell the argolan that you live on this planet and also the planet is huge yeah just go on the other side yeah this is another
the case of the whole planet is, like, it's not a country, it's not a city, it's not a town, it's not even a building, it's one center box. That's the planet. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so presumably there's plenty of space for the Formasi to live on the other side of the planet, or anywhere, or, like, immediately outside. No one has to care. I guess... The fact that they can blow up the Famazi spaceship as it's leaving, there's an implication, and obviously the, these civilizations effectively wiped each other out. Yeah. You know, all but wiped each other out. There's a level of technology here that you should be afraid of, I suppose. So maybe you don't want to just go and set up a town where they could fire Easily a, pick them off, yeah. Send an ICBM in that direction. You know, you know, whatever. Yeah. Also, like, don't they are Golans? I guess they're sterile, so they feel like they're just a dying race, but I don't know. What do you, what do you think of the premise of them setting up a center parks. <laughs> I mean, as their farewell gift to the <laughs> to the galaxy. <laughs> I don't get it. In fact, yeah, let's talk about the center parks because I don't get it at all. There are a few of them around. They now need to figure out a way to survive economically. So they do that by selling tickets to their, like, really quite shit holiday resort. <laughs> What, you don't want to play some zero-G squash? Welcome to Center Parks. We have zero-G squash. And did we mention we have zero-G squash? (laughs) (laughs) There is nothing else there except one of the dudes on occasion will do a science experiment that kills one of the guests. Okay, wait, hang on. Are they dependent upon external finances then? Because there's there's certainly a collaboration with Earth. There are a few, I think not just Earthlings and not just Argolans in this park. I think there are other aliens there as well. But because they can't grow anything on the surface, does that mean that they, like, are they basically importing all of their resources at this point? So the only thing that they have in their favor is tourism. They're basically a Greek island. <laughs> like, they're, they're a Greek <laughs> island where they have, they, they might have like a, a couple of goats so they can make like excellent cheese but aside from that they rely heavily on tourism to survive because they have to import shit yeah i didn't really think about it i guess you're right (laughs) because like in the beginning they're talking like oh well the other center parks around the galaxy they're doing much better than we are yeah no shit sherlock like maybe do something else (laughs) it's either you play zero g squash or you get a science lecture about some kind of science that you aren't even allowed to interact with it's just like them bragging about tachyons (laughs) further to that the whole thing is just a front for their science experiments which are there to rejuvenate themselves because they figure we're gonna die we there's not a future generation so we need to reverse the course of of aging we need to reverse age de-age ourselves so that we can effectively live forever but we're gonna call it a center part Okay, shit man. I'm I'm going to I'm getting really frustrated right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting super duper frustrated right now. Okay, okay, all right. The ta- the tachyon thing. The whole center parks is sur- is centered around their weird tachyon recreation chamber, the re hyphen creation chamber. Oh which, god, that name. It's so so naff. Which is a hologram chamber, a magic trick, a dismemberment machine, a rejuvenator, a cl- cloning machine, and apparently a freaking clown car because it just spews out people. Well, that's it turning into the cloning machine. I feel okay. like that, that can be... Okay, fine, fine. But <laughs> but still, so they have they have one magic box, and that is their USP. Well, doesn't that sound a little bit like some guy with a long scarf? <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, God, oh my God. I, did, I can't believe I said that. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Not leaving that one on the table. Come on. Oh, that was incredible. I'm so sorry. I, I apologize. Uh, podcast land and Tom Baker. <laughs> None of the other doctors. I only apologize to Tom Baker. <laughs> You made some very strong points, though. This is a very weird setup. I've got to put this out here. I have already written a number down, which is fairly high, and it's dropping by the second. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I also have written down a number, and I the number that I have in front of me is was revised. I I wrote a number immediately after watching this serial, and it was also fairly high. And then I revised it the following morning. I, I read through my bullet points and just I'm like, you know, no, I ca- I can't justify this. And I I put down the rating that I have right now, and I have yet to change that rating. So talk me yeah, up, buddy. I don't know if I can. <laughs> no, I can because this okay. This thing you're talking about. Tachyonic stuff. Yeah. Like, okay, establishing plot science aside, isn't the effect pretty damn wonderful? Oh, it's people's arms being detached from their bodies. (laughs) It's so incredibly good. I I think my favorite of that is when Tom Baker steps into it, and it's clearly it. it, You you know that his arms and legs and everything is they're going to go in different directions because that, like for one, there are lines between everything. (laughs) Yeah. And his head's too big. His head is way too big, and that I is know. stupid. <laughs> Do you like it when what's his face? The the young Argolin goes into the thing. His arms and head, they they you know they he becomes dismembered, but his legs and torso start doing squats. Yeah, that was amazing. <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> uh, same page club, absolutely incredible. <laughs> This is also the point, uh, a fortnightly point, where I mention Labyrinth as well. Uh huh, yeah. <laughs> which you also haven't watched. <laughs> True. Yeah, in Labyrinth, there are a group of creatures, which I think they're just referred to as the Fire Gang. gang okay. Uh, or Fireies, I think, which are basically these pink Muppets that um, have very gangly arms and legs and otherwise a bit kind of poodle-like with how their first fur sits and freak the fuck out of me as a kid, that's for sure. <laughs> Because they can just detach their limbs. They can take their head off and kind of like show it around or take a leg off and play golf with it and all this kind of stuff. And they they do like a a song and dance routine whilst taking all their limbs off. And this is just like on the nose. It's like, oh my God, it's it's the fire gang entirely. (laughs) Oh, nice. This is just a walk down memory lane for you, isn't it? (laughs) Oh, yeah, totally. So what is the point of showing off the tachyon box to the visitors, to the guests? To make them come back to Centre Park. But what, this one parlour trick? Mm, yeah, I don't know. Because they get someone to go into it. Yeah. So if, if he hadn't died, like that would have been quite a good thing for the, um, the paying customers, the punters. To That's like true. Go and watch their mates get pulled <laughs> apart. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's a bit of a one-trick pony, but it's a hell of a pony. Okay, yeah, fine. Uh, I'm I'm okay with that. Do you remember the context of this? The chairwoman, I can't remember. Oh, Mina, sorry. At one point she says, each race learns to understand what it's like to be the foreigner. That does not sound to me like mm. they've got hospitality down pass. Hang on, I'm going to look <laughs> that up in the transcripts. There we go. Even the games in our experimental grid explore alien environments. Each race learns to understand what it is like to be the foreigner. Because they're, they're all super intellectual and with socialist in- intentions. Like, it's not just zero-G squash, man. They've got super... <laughs> 
stupid, interesting things about learning what it's like to be a foreigner. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so they have that. They also get to, you know what, actually, I think you're onto something because during the science experiment, they're actually, it, it's more like a lecture. It's like a really dumbed down lecture where the young child. Pangle, I think. Oh, yes, you're right. Pangle. Uh, where he goes, well, I mean, we've been making strides in tachyonic research and yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. And people in the audience are like, oh, yes, right. Yes, of course, tachyons. Isn't that very interesting? So maybe that's true. Maybe this is the intelligentsia that go there. And the only form of recreation that they need is occasionally they see a friend's head torn off or they play some squash. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it is weird because this complex and the episode is called The Leisure Hive. Yeah. Not the, uh, it's not the science demonstrations and experiments with a little side serving of zero G squash. Hive. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but actually, I, I didn't really write down it at the time, but thinking about it now, it gave me slight feelings of the way they often portray like Tesla or or someone like that demonstrating. I think they had like these, these grand exhibitions in London or something, you know, and everyone would come and show off their Yeah, like the World's Fair. The new inventions of the... Yeah, exactly. It had that kind of feel of it. It's like, yes, come and see our new tachyon demonstration. <laughs> roll up, roll up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But there's only the one demonstration. After that, you're stuck in this shit center parks for a week. You yeah. can't even go outside. True. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you literally have to wait in your room until the space shuttle comes to take you home again. Yeah. Man, it's, it's like a school trip. <laughs> it is. It's the crappest school trip. Ugh. Yeah, I'm not on board with this place. Okay, so we, we've covered the Argolan. How do you feel about the Formazi? I really don't know. I, I kind of liked the whole, oh, here's a creepy claw doing stuff and just close-up <laughs> shots of their eyes like before you get to see oh, them. Oh, the before. eyes are incredible, aren't they? Yeah. They're like they're proper chameleon eyes, the way that they, they look independently of one another. It, it, they're beautifully done. Yeah, exactly. And then the big reveal of what they really look like. <laughs> they're just a bit heffalumpy. Yeah, maybe a, yeah, a, a teeny bit tiny bit anticlimactic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, there's a trivia about them being used in Hitchhikers, and I could have, I could have sworn that they would be, they would have been used as the, oh, I forgot what they're called now, but the, you know, the the main race that is bulldozing everything. Yeah. But it's apparently the leader of the Gugvunt. <laughs> yeah, I saw this as well. I looked them up and found a photo of the, uh, oh, it's somewhere in my notes now, Guggenwund. Yeah, exactly, something like that. Um, and it's the whole outfit minus the head. Okay. So in Hitchhikers, you just saw a, a dude's head painted green, but the rest of the body is the same lumbering uh, reptilian body. Okay. They were pretty cool. They were incredibly good at vaud hiding. Need to give them credit for that. True. Yeah, very true. To the point where I, even after like we had the reveal of that there were saboteurs inside, I was still like slightly unsure if they had been the good guys, like trying to stop saboteurs. You know, sometimes we were seeing like claws going on and doing stuff, and it's like, yeah. was that always a saboteur, or was it sometimes the good guy following after a saboteur and trying to stop stuff? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, were they actually saving the day surreptitiously? Yeah, especially because Pangol's got his own game in this as well. Like, were they trying to? Stop Stop him at some point. I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, I I think genuinely there are at least five or six levels of conspiracy going on in the serial, which is really quite impressive. Yeah, but you're right. I love those scenes. Although I love the scenes where you have like, yeah. Oh, sorry. Okay. I, I love those scenes where you have just the the dinosaur claws or whatever, like you touching something or whatever. 
there are two or three scenes where like literally no one notices that a gigantic dinosaur opens a door, peeks into the room, and closes the door again. <laughs> All right, great, <laughs> fine. By the way, the same scene in which no one notices that the TARDIS materializes right next to them. My favorite vault hiding scene, though, is the one where one of the Argolan is, is walking around the main room, like the, I guess, the demonstration room where the magic box is. And he's like, Anyone there? Turn around. Nope. Turn around again. Walking around. Anyone there? Turn around. Nope. No one there. Turn around again. Turn around again. Giant dinosaur up for heavy petting. <laughs> Just out of nowhere. <laughs> kicking in those lizard skills and they're up up on the walls and the ceiling and yeah uh, maybe they are chameleons the <laughs> like, they, yeah. they look like the wall at one point <laughs> <laughs> oh whilst we're on this topic of like, uh-huh. blending in hello dressing up as a human that's incredible how cool and creepy is that that scene the v scene where all of the uh, <laughs> All of the undercover formals you get veed is just straight up amazing. <laughs> yeah. And it looks so good as well. I mean, like the, the actual human mask as it, or bodysuit as it's being withdrawn looks fantastic. Then it, it, it yeah. is actually taken off and you realize, these guys like Raxacorico-Phalipatorians, how do they fit in there? <laughs> True. Three times as big as as the people. Like, the, the, if, is it Brock? Is that his name? Brock? is like, he's a third the size of his lizard self when he is in human form. How does that work? Yeah. It's amazing. Very good point. I kind of let that... <laughs> That slide in my brain <laughs> that's very true did you like it when they opened the cupboard and all of a sudden you just see mr brock hanging from a like from a coat hanger oh i so loved it it's beautiful by uh yeah this is glasses and beard guy in my notes as, as a lot of the time <laughs> i think he's called stinson <laughs> oh it's is that stinson sorry <laughs> Well, I almost had to like change change it because at one, well, I think I think he gets killed shortly afterwards. But he drops his glasses. It's like, damn it, he's not glasses and beards guy anymore. <laughs> <laughs> the dropping of glasses is just so just obviously you would pick them up. I know. <laughs> Just a super quick note about the cupboard before you move away from that. The, the scene, oh, the, sorry, the shot from inside the cupboard, I feel like that was quite novel for Doctor Who. I, I'm not sure that we've ever had that before. That feels, in fact, that feels like modern television, where you have a shot from inside an enclosed space, and then, and it's black, effectively, because it's so dark, and then it is introduced to the scene by virtue of the door being slid open. It's similar to something that you get to see in, in modern cinema quite often, where it's a shot from inside a, a car boot, for example, and, you know, the, the car boot opens uh, and you yeah. see whoever's looking into it. Very nice. Felt very modern. Yeah, I, th- I think, and there's trivia about this as well, but it, mm. it felt like they were trying a lot of new things. They obviously had some new visual effects technology. Oh, definitely. When they were doing all oh, the, yeah. the kind of video conferencing in their pyramid, their black pyramid in the center of the conference table. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. Like, why don't we have that technology? I'm sure we could do that today. <laughs> I want it. <laughs> we could. Let's just build a pyramid-shaped monitor and put it in the middle of a conference yeah. room. <laughs> I want that on my desk. I want to be having this Skype conversation to you. On a pyramid. And you're in a pyramid. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So what's the trivia associated um, with this scene? I mean, basically, the, they... What did they have? They had a new thing. The Quantel DPE-5000 Digital Imaging the image Processing System, don't you know? Oh, holy um, moly. I don't know. And <laughs> I don't know how often they used this after afterwards, but apparently this story ran way over budget. Oh, really? <laughs> they splurged their load. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I and I feel like it was obvious to me. This like we we've, we've had a six month gap maybe between the or maybe longer between the last series end of last series start of this one. Yeah. But along with the the kind of like such a like clapper gate of damn it you're in the 80s now. Um, this was the other thing that jumped out at me is like this seems like a very different production. It seems there's more budget here. It seems like they're doing more interesting shots. Like you named the cupboard one. I think yeah. there were a few where they were like with the pyramid. That would be maybe the kind of third centered shot. And then there would be a character in the background, you know. And oh, I, think maybe I that see. Was yeah. Designed. Some of the experiment equipment as well is like, you know, there, there were things that There's are more depth that... to these scenes maybe as well. Yeah, exactly. So I feel like, yeah, they were trying new things. They were putting more money towards things. Is this why this serial looks like it's been shot on different cameras in general? It it feels it feels more VHS-y. Maybe, you know what, maybe that's just the version that I saw. But it, it, it <laughs> felt more VHS-y than the previous ones. Interesting. I mean, this is shot entirely in sets. I would imagine. I don't. I can't recall any things that would have looked. Oh, other than Brighton Beach. Yeah, that's true. But like, if you imagine the the image quality and the lighting and everything else, it feels, in fact, quite quite a lot like Red Dwarf compared to the previous ones, which feel maybe slightly more. I'm trying to think of something. It, Faulty Towers. Faulty Towers has the same lighting <laughs> in my mind as every Tom Baker serial to date up until this point, and from now on, it's all Red Dwarf. <laughs> Okay. Like I, I feel like you can, I feel okay. like you can apply a quality and color spectrum to these productions, and this one feels maybe it's like an, a new '80s camera. Maybe in fact it's the rig that you just described, but like. Yeah, different production values, definitely. Yeah, it, it, it just screams of there's a new production team in charge and they're making their mark. Dang right they are. And ruffling some feathers along the way, it seems. <laughs> 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 yeah, did, did we say at the time? I've forgotten. But the uh, those question mark lapels, uh, Tom Baker didn't like them either. I'm that not surprised. Another, it's too blatant. Another, another thing. It's way too blatant. Yeah. I, mean, the, uh, I know that this is nothing compared to a couple of future doctors we're about to encounter, but... Wow, yeah. I think someone someone was on record saying that, like, why is it question marks anyway? It should be an exclamation mark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, I think it's a bit, a bit weird. Isn't it? Anywho. Oh, uh, looking at my notes, I found another bullet point about an, another shot that I thought was incredibly novel, uh, at the very least for Doctor Who. We get this panning shot that it looks at the outside world of Argolis, and there's almost Ooh, like an Instagram yeah. filter over everything. And then we get to see the, the people in like their main... Conference you, room A. Conference room A, yeah. We get to see conference room A, and uh, the chairwoman, Mina, and someone else, they're chatting and there's another instagram filter over it and then it zooms in on them and when it gets to a certain point the filter disappears and it's as though we have traveled with the camera has traveled through the tinted windows of the conference room this is in part yeah. three it is beautiful yeah i noted that down as well that was amazing for 19 1980 bbc tv yeah that was incredible absolutely for tv this is incredible this is something that i would associate with sort of experimental cinema of the 90s rather than television of the 80s it's it's there's artistry behind this and incredibly professional artistry at that yeah no it was very well done my my note preceding it as well is actually um like all props to the aging makeup because this is 
Oh yes, the the cliffhanger where Doc has been aged. I think it's establishes five hundred years. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. Didn't he look amazing? It it's some of the best aging makeup I've ever seen. The hair is fantastic as well. Did you did you kind of like keep looking at it, going, is that still Tom Baker? Is <laughs> is he doing a voiceover? Like, do the lips sync? <laughs> Oh, I didn't go quite so far. I just put my faith in the makeup department. But yeah, I, I've also noted that down. It's incredibly impressive. The The skin looks perfectly realistic, way better than many other aging effects that we get to see today even. I very recently watched, just like a couple of days ago, I watched the Watchmen movie. I, oh, yeah. I, I watched the ultimate cut, which was three and a half hours long. And in that one, you get lots of people in aging makeup. It's crazy, blatant aging makeup. You just... You can't stop thinking about the fact that this is a young person wearing plastic on their face to look like they're 40 years older or something. But here, everything looks super realistic. I have to get back to the hair. The hair looks... I mean, he's clearly wearing a hairpiece over his own hair, but the hairpiece itself is made to look like he has very little hair left. And it's so well done. Yeah, that was a very good observation, actually. Just looking at a picture. It's very good. I, I think... I think they lit it really well as well. I'd like the oh, screenshot yes. they've shoved on the Wikipedia entry. You know, it's like a a, a bright downlighting, but like a lot of his face is done in shadow, so it's really highlight. Like it's quite a ballsy thing to do. Actually, it's highlighting all the wrinkles they put into the, the prosthetic. You know, it's yeah, incredible. Yeah, that is them being very confident about their work. Yeah, and rightly so. Since yes. we're talking about this, is the cliffhanger of part two. Should we maybe go into uh, still don't have a jingle? Still don't have a jingle, dude. We need to <laughs> seriously. Well, I, I gave you a, a sample before. That's. <laughs> true yeah the onus is on me (laughs) i said onus (laughs) shall we go into jim's thoughts on cliffhangers (laughs) yes this is our scientific demonstration for the evening (laughs) hold on to your limbs people uh episode one what do we have Oh, you do have to hold on to your limbs, because this is the cliffhanger that Doc's got his limbs taken away from him. Oh, yeah, of course. Holy shit, that's in part one? Doc, yeah, Doc gets shat on in this serial. Yeah, this really gets, this escalates quickly. How yeah, do you feel about that? that? I thought that was a really nice cliffhanger, actually. Like, I think it was done in a fun way, so normally there's some stupid thing, and you don't feel that anyone's under threat like it looks like a companion's been shot or it looks like the doctor's fallen off a cliff or you know and you're just like uh i roll no one's gonna be dead at the end of this yeah don't care this was like oh doc's body's all pulled apart that's cool yeah yeah and you have no idea yeah, no, that's obviously true. Like, yeah, I, I also never thought that he was going to be dead at that point. But you don't know where it's going to be taken from that from that cliffhanger on. Like, are we going to have part two with just Doc's head floating around? Is he now somehow part of the computer? Is he digitized? Like, we we have no idea what's happening. So how did? How did you feel about the resolution of this cliffhanger? I think because I because I had set my expectations low, I didn't actually mind it at all. It's just like, oh, he set up a, an image of himself, the tachyon duplicate or whatever. Yeah. He was unaffected at all. There. <laughs> Done. Cool. Yep. I'm game. What's the point? What I didn't like is that we, we had a oh, minute recap of the previous serial, which I, episode, which I think is throughout all of this. Series. Yeah. Across the board, it's between a minute and a half, two and a half minutes. Wow. Yeah. 
which I think I also noted episode two, maybe, or episode three was really short as well. It's like, how short was this serial overall? Uh, I feel like one of them was only 20 minutes long. Oh, really? I don't know. It feels like it is shorter than it ought to be. Not because it, it goes by so quickly, which it does, by the way. I, I watched the whole thing in one sitting and it felt like a breeze. But because there's so much going on in it, like they, they shouldn't be in a position where they can afford to cut this short. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. And they certainly should not be repeating two and a half minutes of the last episode. Or I mean, including intro theme, obviously. But still, like they should not be doing that because Jesus Christ, like get on with it. There's there's freaking conspiracies up the wazoo. Like just tell us what's going on with those things, please. <laughs> yeah, you can't leave it all to the last three minutes. That's <laughs> just not going to work. <laughs> yeah, I beg to differ. They do, and they did. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, okay. So that was that was how we started episode two. We finished episode two with what we talked about earlier, Doc being aged. Yep. Super loved that. I mean it's a hell of a shot to end on. Yep. Um that's what the the eye roll is internalized because you're just sideswept by Doc being aged. You, you're not ex- not expecting him to be stuck like that, but he might be stuck like it for a bit. At least that's a good kind of cliffhanger where you think, oh, this might stick for a while. Yeah, that's true. You know, It's also unfortunately precipitated by one of not many, possibly the only really dumb Romana moment in this serial. And it's not just Romana, it's Romana yeah. and what's-his-face. Is that is that Brock or is that Stimson? I can never remember which one's which. The scientist guy, anyway. Harding. Hard. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I was wrong on both accounts. Uh, where they're like, oh, cool. The experiment seems to be working. Success. Eureka. <laughs> Let's not confirm it. Let's not even turn the machine off. Let's just run out the room <laughs> and put Doc in a box. <laughs> Yeah, this this whole sequence is not great for Romana, actually. Maybe we can uh, circle back to that. Yeah, let's loop back. Putting in a pin. Uh, um, I mean, it's, as far as cliffhanger goes, you know, we were basically done because this is episode three and I forget actually how long... Yeah, no, I, that's episode two. Episode two ends with him being in super good makeup. Episode three starts with him still being in super good makeup and they're like, yeah, all right then. He's still alive though. Yeah, yeah. So episode three, he's, he's aged for a long time, basically until the is he all the way through episode three is he old? yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah. it's okay. it's in episode four when we get you know the we need to talk about that as well the army of bellens uh, and we find oh, yeah. out that he's all of them it's only in episode four that he then makes himself nice and young again gets naked and reclothed in a public corridor right in front of romana <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, sorry, uh, I, I okay, didn't mean so to yeah. interrupt. What is the episode three cliffhanger? Episode three, the the V moment of oh, the, the Famazi. Well, it's it's the sort of yeah, sort of mini meme V moment. Yeah, it's it, Brock is V. Brock gets this, yeah, yeah, which I thought that was super creepy. Like the the actor who played Brock really threw his face into that. <laughs> 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 like it, it looks like they're pulling a mask off him, and it's just his face. Like there, yeah. there is no mask involved at that point. And I don't know how he made it look so realistically rubbery, but it did well. <laughs> <laughs> And then, yeah, the... So, I mean, that's... As cliffhangers go, that's awesome. And then the follow-up from it at the start of episode four is them all just having every hint of human outfit ripped off them. Yeah. Like it's <laughs> like it's a, a feast. <laughs> like the opening act of uh, Marzi orgy. They show up yeah. at the orgy. They're all dressed as humans. And like, all right, let's all get naked. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, exactly. <laughs> that is exactly what it is, yeah. And then, I mean, <laughs> shortly thereafter, all the formals, he each pick a, a car key out of a bowl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so... 
mostly good cliffhangers, I think, in this serial, actually. Good. I'm very, I'm very pleased to hear that. <laughs> so should we delve back to Romana's behavior and yeah, Romana let's as a do whole? it. This is the meat of Romana's actions in this serial. Is probably her buddying up with Harding. Yeah. And it's all pretty terrible, actually. <laughs> <laughs> If you think about it, I think I think at the at the time I wasn't too fussed. Like it seemed a bit weird because this experimental technology, Harding didn't have a lot of faith in it, and Romana decided to just help him out. Um, yeah, I'm not okay with that, by the way. Yeah, and then like Doc's being arrested, and well, Romana's basically arrested as well at the end of it. So it's the motivation shifts a bit. But yeah, why why is she just really nearly giving away like Time Lord tech or secrets or whatever? Yeah, and, exactly. Part two in my notes, I've written why is Romana sharing knowledge with these people. It seems as though the doctor, in fact, is kind of opposed to it. Doesn't he even shush her in the beginning? And he's and she's like, oh, no, no, I, I can help you with it. I can sort this out. And in effect, what she is trying to help them create or develop is technology to allow them to live forever. Yeah. I'm not okay with this. As... as <laughs> As you will learn from our last New Who review, yet to be dropped at the time of recording this, our Girl Who Died review, spoilers, uh, retroactively. I'm, I'm not super okay with everyone just being like, yeah, I mean, it's fine. We can just make people immortal left, right, and center. I, that's not a problem. But this is a massive problem. And she's trying to do so on a civilization-wide scale. Even though, I mean, granted, there are maybe 20 people to this civilization. But still, you don't want to just give someone the technology to make them immortal. And in fact, if you can develop the technology to make someone immortal, that means that literally anyone in the universe could be immortal. Yeah. Someone could steal this. The pharmacy could take it. They could sell it. They need money. Maybe they'll sell this tech. No, there's there's no telling where this is going to end. I'm not on board with it. No. And I think it has a lot of parallels with some of the new Who stories that um, Who But When have been reviewing of late. Mm. Because it seems to be like a recurring thought of why did you choose to do this with this person? And the same would apply here like why are you giving this immortality lesson to this species yeah you, know? you don't even know them yeah take a moment to get to I, know I, them. I, kind of, I did have a thought through this serial a little bit just at the back of my brain okay they haven't fully really justified doc and romana caring about this at all <laughs> not as all <laughs> They show up, they just take the sides of the people that they happen to be closest to. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, there's no there's no investigation into the war. There's there's no real attempt to like Oh my god, that's so I I guess maybe maybe this is Romana feeling bad that this this race is basically on the the verge of extinction. Um But so are the four Marsi. Is that definite? I I wasn't quite Well even if it's not, who cares, man? Maybe these are the last remnants of a horrible genocidal people. <laughs> very true, very true. Yeah, and there's not enough exposition there to really justify them wading in, is there? Absolutely not. Because they're never under a threat as well. That's the thing. And there's there's the whole... So they, they witness the experiment where a tourist gets killed. Yeah. And that's... that's I think that's kind of the point that they, they really start kind of investigating because, I mean, someone's been killed. Yeah. Why wouldn't they? It doesn't seem like they, they really home in on the, oh, why did this tourist get killed? They home in more on, oh, what's going on with the Argolans as a species? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? This kind of takes me back to... 
two of my introductory questions are still left. We haven't addressed them yet. And one of them kind of tally, it kind of feeds into what we're talking about now. And that is that the Argolden, in conjunction with, what's his name, Harding? Whatever his name is. Harding's the scientist guy. Scientist guy, yeah. They're experimenting with tachyons in order to rejuvenate themselves or to reverse the, the flow of aging in order to, in turn, uh, keep their species alive, right? But yep. wouldn't it have been easier to just design a better boner pill? <laughs> Like, wouldn't wouldn't Romana show up and go like, you know what? Listen, this is this is iffy. This technology that you're trying to develop is super iffy, and also you faked all of your results. So basically, you're asking me to do all the heavy lifting. So I'm gonna do something else. Here is like, you know, here's space Viagra. It makes all the semen and all the eggs cease to be sterile. Henceforth, you eat this pill. Henceforth, you can breed like crazy, man. And then problem solved. It does seem like a more on the nose solution for the exact problem rather than just <laughs> his ability to wind back time because <laughs> it, it also seemed like it wasn't really a, a de-aging thing either it was it was reversing time it's yeah exactly it's like it's tenet it's i don't want to spoil anything for tenets but i mean you've seen the trailer right so it's 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 so much more advanced it's way more than they need and this is why, in the beginning of this review, I was saying, like, this tachyon box can do everything, including the most absurd shit. <laughs> like, just, yeah. why, of all the things that it can do, can it not just make a dude hard? Or, <laughs> like, you know, put some pizzazz into Mina's eggs. Problem solved, you know? This is not in any way trying to make light of being sterile. My point is, that is way easier than fucking time travel. <laughs> You would, you would think so. Although, I guess yeah. the Time Lords have, have a little bit of knowing on that. But, yeah, why did they start on this this tack in general? The Argolans. It's, it's, it's really quite ridiculous. What did they discover first? That with tachyons, you could make a duplicate of yourself and have a lot of fun at parties. Or with tachyons, you might be able to reverse time. Or with tachyons, you might be able to like make an exact copy of you that actually will live outside of the little box. I don't know. Like, I mean, it starts with them being able to clone someone. They clone one of the cells that they've all donated, and they make Pangle. But then, yeah, which worked incredibly well. Super duper well. Can you explain to me why they stopped? Why did they wait until he, no. quote, came of age? Uh, I think there might have been some reference to a problem of some kind. I can't recall how that was phrased. I'm looking it up. Okay, here we go. Right, here we go, here we go, here we go. Sorry, I'm just going to read this out. You mean the Argolans donated cells from their bodies to blah, 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 who gives a shit, something, something, something. There's a flaw in your story. Where are all the others? The theory was primitive, says Mina. There were failures, and yet he survived. For 20 years, says Pangol, a moratorium was declared on the technique until I came of age a thoroughly proficient tachyon engineer. There will be no more disfigured mutants in our next reduplication program. He was the lucky one amongst a batch of mutants. Yeah. And they deemed the technology unstable. And they let him, of all people, they let him grow up to become a tachyon engineer so that he can then refine the technology. Wouldn't it make sense for the people who had already constructed the machine in the first place that birthed him? Because he was a baby when he popped out of that box. Yeah. I mean, the first time around. Wouldn't it make sense for them to work on the machine? To iron out all the kinks? I guess it's, it's the implication that he kind of came of age. Maybe he didn't know where he had come from. And there, there was a, oh, I'm sorry, son we're not really your parents moment and then he went well let's do it again and everyone who was involved in it and was like this experiment is too dangerous we keep creating mutants has died now 
And he just went, fuck it, I want more clones of me. Come on, mum and pops. Let's do some shit. Also, I really want to see these mutants. Yeah, I I was half convinced, actually, the Fumazi were going to end up... like Because at this point, we hadn't seen them. Oh, and they oh revealed I love this. Fumazi. Such so a I good thought, idea. Yeah, we were assuming they were this other alien race but maybe they were going to be the mutants. Yeah, because they're on the planet. Exactly. Oh, that that's so good. I wonder if they were trying to do that and just failed, because there's never an explanation for why they are on the planet outside of the compound. I love that. No. That is that is 100 million percent the retro rewrite of this episode. Awesome. I'd actually forgotten they were outside at one point. I guess is that the the ambassador guy they've, they've snuck on afterwards? Because... Yeah, exactly. Obviously, Brock comes down as Brock in the shuttle, doesn't he? Yeah, exactly. Like, real Brock is still on Earth. Fake Brock shows up. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing, though. Like, how yeah, how on the brink of destruction can the Famazi be if they have, like, an organization called the West Lodge? I mean, <laughs> it's like the, like the East India Tea Company or, you know, some kind of <laughs> enterprise. <laughs> Actually, as I read it out, I kind of started thinking, you know what, maybe there are just two lodges left. <laughs> the, uh, they're literally lodges. There's the East Lodge and the West Lodge. <laughs> No dicks from the West Lodge. Yeah, they're always partying too hard and they're trying to steal our cheese. (laughs) Typical West Lodge. (laughs) Stealing all our cheese. And thus we're back on a Greek island. (laughs) Yeah, we get that weird sequence of the, I guess, the ambassador and his chaps. When they arrive outside, they have what looks like a boulder that rolls up to the outer wall now phases through the wall so that they can walk through it. Because otherwise, like, I guess, poison would just like seep into the compound, and then it re-phases the door, or sorry, the wall into existence. And on the outside, it turns itself back into a boulder. Okay, I definitely blinked and missed that bit. That's what how the they hell? get in. Yeah, it's the weirdest thing. They have, I mean, it's some sci-fi gizmo, but it looks like rock, but only before oh. and after the process of making an opening in the wall for them. While it's in, while it's making an opening i think it looks like metal and it's a little shiny and whatever and it makes like the wall disappears they like they walk through a hole in the wall and then boom the wall's mm. back that's some pretty cool tech man that is cool tech yeah is, so is that, that's when they they first come into the complex is it or yeah because they don't land in a yeah. ship that is not one of the 20 times that we get to see the same docking sequence that is <laughs> that's <laughs> <laughs> These chaps, they just they just waltz straight in. It's you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of the Cybermen walking into the moon base in the serial The Moon Base with William Hartnell, just by making a hole in the wall and then like <laughs> putting a sack of sugar in front of the hole. So no problem. <laughs> vacuum is you know, it's vacuum sealed. <laughs> yeah, we're all fine. <laughs> Wow. That's such a good serial, by the way. Sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, if you want to watch a William Hartnell serial, watch The Moon Base. It's freaking amazing. Yeah, on, on the um, forever docking thing. Was, <laughs> I thought that pretty hilarious, to be honest. It's like, the uh, the F-ship's docking, sir. Still docking, sir. <laughs> still, still docking. Yeah, we're really trying to fill the time here. <laughs> this episode, or this serial, is about 10 minutes short. <laughs> How many times can we have we people dock? <laughs> Wait, it needs to adjust the slightly, sir. It's not quite aligned. <laughs> I wonder, could it look the same but in reverse when they lift off? Why, yes, it could. Let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, this what is this is what I thought was a major selling point of this cereal. Okay, and I'm fully prepared to you for you to not agree with me and rip it apart. But... I am super looking forward to this. Okay, the evolution of Pango as a character into villain, <laughs> I friggin' loved. <laughs> so Pango is played by David Haig. Yes, I recognised him from the thick of it. He's Steve Fleming. Stephen. <laughs> Citation marks Steve Fleming. And as far as I'm aware, I, I looked at a, a, his IMDb page and he's done a, a whole bunch of things and most of it I don't recognize at all. But as far as I'm aware, he pretty much always is a dick. Yeah, probably does actually. I know him mostly from the Sin Blue Line where he's... Oh yeah, he's the chief. Constant, no, the, he's the chief or something. Inspector or something. Yeah, chief. Uh, he's like kind of in charge, but then is the butt of all the jokes. Yeah. <laughs> I think I've only seen one or two episodes of that. Yeah. And he's in four weddings and a funeral. And I don't know if he's a dick. I forget what the character's actually like. But the only thing I really remember is that he's he's one of the grooms of the four weddings. And someone gets stuck in a room when he comes in with his bride. And they're doing very comically noisy sex. Oh, I see. Like, and he's like making nuzzling sounds and stuff. I don't know. Like, it's a, he's the butt of the joke again. Yeah. There's, I, I was quite surprised to find, and I guess this is not him playing a dick, but it is definitely him being the butt of the joke. I was surprised to see that there is a rebooted series of Yes, Prime Minister, and he is the Prime Minister. Yeah. I've never seen that. I've only seen the original. This is from like 2013, I think, or 2014. Oh, right. Like rebooted and has already gone into history. Wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't think it's still running. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of like him as an actor. I think he um, he often is a character you like to hate. Mm. And I thought he did a very good job as Pango in this. Like um, switching from slightly, I don't know, well, he's, he's kind of like the science demonstrator guy and then he's slightly bratty teenager guy almost and but yeah, then straight but like, up the villain yeah and there's there's a step in between as well where he goes into psycho brat where it seems though this is in my notes it's clear that i still thought that he was the son of of mina is it by the way is it outright said that he is is her son yeah i, I think it's established oh, okay okay cool or uh, maybe if they don't say son they say maybe like descendant or next in line i don't know there's men there's definitely next in line definitely that. Like that yeah because what i was going to say was it becomes incredibly clear that he's just waiting for her to die so that he can take over uh, yeah I... oh, the, the, yeah the scene where he's literally stood behind her as she's she's collapsed yeah. dying <laughs> he's like, saying yeah. she will die and i will take over <laughs> yeah yeah i don't give a shit about anyone yeah don't you dare pick up that ball <laughs> leave it there as a memory for everyone <laughs> in fact you're old i hope you trip on this thing <laughs> He's really, really good. There's... It <laughs> I couldn't get Steve Fleming out of my mind when I looked at him. Yeah. And Steve Fleming is definitely a character that you love to hate. But <laughs> I, th I think what really did it for me with it within this one is when he grabs the helmet. And by the way, can we just agree that the helmet of Theron looks like the helmet of Theron? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> 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 there are just so many times. It's just center stage. It's sort of like, does every shot need to have that giant dick in the middle of of it it's it's incredible but there's one scene where he's just i think this is in part four where pangle is just walking around with his enormous bronze bell end under his arm <laughs> it's just a massive dick carrying a massive dick and he won me over with that but yeah i'm with you buddy i get it <laughs> we all overcompensate <laughs>
Yeah, I think maybe like a third of my notes in episode three is just like Pangol, like praise. And then episode four <laughs> is when he shifts and he starts like letting the plan out of like he's going to clone himself. Yeah. And he starts referring to himself as we. Yeah. And I thought that was nice. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, because he in his mind, there are going to be thousands of him. Yeah. But it's before he's even cloned himself. You know, he's he's getting on board with the, <laughs> yeah, the lingo I'm convinced myself. <laughs> Hey, me, <laughs> you make a good point. <laughs> Damn straight, I do, you. <laughs> me, what? <laughs> How did you feel about Hardin just straight up Vulcan nerve pinching, Pangle? Oh, that was absolute bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> Especially as, like, I don't know if there was some kind of genetic manipulation where they, they took all their cells and they cloned themselves and Pangle was the result. But, like, he's so hell-bent on them, like, we rekindling their glory days of like a warrior race yeah which actually maybe gives credence to your your previous comments about doc and romana shouldn't be backing these guys because they're probably assholes <laughs> <laughs> but yeah they worship this helmet like you know a sacred warrior helmet he's he's all about this kind of warrior stuff and yeah harding just grabs him around the back of the neck and he falls over so, boom. <laughs> yeah done <laughs> a big big man <laughs> yeah well done slow clap for you hang <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I 100% called that Mina was going to walk out with Pangle as a baby in her arms. Oh, really? And that she was going to be young and healthy so that she could go off and have a relationship with uh, Hardin. Yeah. See, I, I wondered, well, my note was like, oh, we're going to get a fly moment. I didn't expect a kind of grotesque thing, oh, but the... <laughs> whether she, she would just absorb Pangle and... Cause, because they gave their cells anyway to create him, and like yeah, so he would become something. I mean, if he's bigger. a clone, he's a clone of one Arg- Argolin. He's not the result of crazy Argolin Bukaki. He's a duplicate of one dude. No, I think he is. No, I you think, think he is. I think, yeah, I think the experiment changed, or the, the technology changed. And so he's cloning himself definitely at the end. But the, the, the thing that created him is the cells from all of the currently living. <laughs> Everyone pa- pass the petri dish around. I'm <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. Well, otherwise, like, because he's meant to be Mina's and oh, old guy who dies in the beginning. Yeah. yeah, Horrocks, Horrocks, I think is. Yeah, isn't I it? think so. Like, I took it as you know they were a couple, and Panga was like they were saying that Panga was their child, and yeah. he doesn't really look like either of them. So presumably, if he was a clone of someone, there is another Argolian that looks exactly like him, and it would be older. hard to play that card. Just like yeah. 40 years older or something, yeah, or 30 years older. Yeah, like that, that would be hard to pass him off as uh, their child if there's a, an actual clone of him somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> Wait, where did I say 30 or 40 years older? He could be any age. It could be Horrocks. Horrocks was like in his 80s. Maybe he just gave them a, you know, a fingernail or whatever. Yeah, yeah anyway. I mean, it could have been. I just don't know why they made them the line about them all giving them their cells to create him. If, um, if it doesn't mean he's an amalgamation. Of... Yeah, I, I guess that's true. But maybe, oh, who knows? I mean, we never got to see the mutants. So who knows what happened there? True, true. By the way, as far as I'm aware, we've had, uh, on Who Back When anyway, hitherto, two people regressing to baby stage. Uh, we had, I'm pretty sure we had someone regressing to uh, to a baby in a Hartnell serial. In fact, it may even have been Hartnell. I'm not, I don't really remember that now. But at one point in Pertwee times, we had Benton briefly turning into a baby that was in the Time Monster. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Little baby Benton. Yeah, Benton turns into a baby and then he is turned back into adult Benton and he's naked. 
<laughs> it's pretty good. God, I miss Benton. Would seriously, wouldn't almost any cereal be better with a little bit of Benton in there? <laughs> Quite possibly. Yeah. Imagine, this, this is. I mean, Earthlings are coming there. Obviously, there's, there, this is way further in the future. This is way past the seventies. But imagine Benton, through some weird temporal happenstance, also goes on a holiday to the Leisure Hive and bumps into Tom Baker. God, it'd be so good. That would be pretty. Oh my. Oh my goodness. All right. Yeah. I need more Benton. I think we get Benton once more. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, I, I think... assume it's been done. Wow. Well, didn't we say that we get Benton in the Multi Doctor Adventure? Might be in the Five Doctors or something, uh, or uh, or maybe it's in one of the um, non-canonical spin-offs. There was definitely some spin-off stuff for Bagels, uh, uh, wasn't there? I think. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, maybe he's part of that. I would I would like to see him in normal episodes, definitely. Oh, Benton, what a dude! Oh, anyway, um, on the the helmet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you think it was a nice idea or a very obviously masking the fact that you don't have to put the same actor in with like effects and stuff that he picks up the helmet before he goes and duplicates himself? But also then it lays like I'm just reading straight from my notes. I haven't even realized in my notes at this point. And then it's setting up the fact that it means it's the doctor. The doctor can... Yeah. I didn't get it. Yeah. I did not for I didn't see that coming. So I, I have to say I think that was very nicely done. It felt like, oh yeah, no, this represents the warrior phase of the Argolans' history and consequently mm. everyone that comes out of there wearing a helmet is going to be a soldier. And that's fine. I mean, I did react to the fact that they're not all the same height so how can they all be clo- yeah. clones? But I thought it was very effective to have everyone wear the same helmet. And also, we know that there's only one helmet in existence, so all of a sudden there are lots of them. That it also it sends a bit of a powerful message. I liked it. Yeah, true. I was also a bit confused about the helmet because it's, I could have sworn there was a shot where normally they indicate the helmet as being dangling from the middle of the ceiling. Yeah. And then when he goes and grabs the helmet to actually use it. Oh yeah. It's off on the side of the room. Like he's grabbing his helmet, yeah. Uh-huh. And I feel like someone else's helmet is still dangling from the ceiling. Oh re- oh I missed that. I thought there was just the one. Like I feel like there should have been just the one, but I don't know. I'm pretty you know, sure there's just the one. Maybe that's a maybe that's a blooper. I just wasn't sure if there was like a a kind of ceremonial thing they they did as like we we swear ourselves in by the 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 helmet of, of theron yeah everyone polish it <laughs> yes everyone <laughs> rub the helmet rub your helmet <laughs> <laughs> but the real one was like kept off to the side in a slightly safer spot you think so i don't know tiny tiny point scrabble this is bollocks <laughs> <laughs> Okay, here's another conspiracy theory of mine that did not come to fruition. Horrocks, old chap, he died just as his replacement, Mina, arrived. True. And to me, this seemed incredibly suspicious. Like, yeah, well, Mina's clearly the bad one. Like, she she somehow got him killed. And then I was just like, oh, no, actually, not at all. <laughs> She's very much the good person. Yeah, I think they I think they lean into that, actually. I think maybe you were meant to think that for a while, because her end like she's this very commanding persona she walks in pretty much like darth vader in a new hope yeah she's flanked by our golden guards yeah and she's straight straight down to business and like am i am i right that they are meant to be a couple she's not just like the next person in the line of chairmanship but she barely gives two shits yeah, she not even one shit. <laughs> yeah, like barely half a shit. In fact, wait, hang on, we can do better than this. She barely gives a third of a shit. <laughs> the, the, 
It seems as though, in fact, all of the Argolan, either including or with the blatant exclusion of what's-his-face, Pangol, barely anyone gives a shit about dying in this. When Mina is dropping balls like it's going out of style, she's just like, yeah, I mean, it's just the natural course of things. It's fine. I didn't expect it to happen now, but I mean, it is, so it's okay. I was like, it's, it's not okay. Like, you should show some emotion. You're about to die. Horrocks dies, and everyone's like, oh, it, how long has this been happening? Oh, it's happened now? Oh, shit. Can't believe we missed it. All right, carry his corpse out. Everyone's rather blasé yeah. about the the very few fellow survivors passing away. No, true. I mean, to the point actually, Mina, when she thinks the the Harding's experiments are basically a dead end, she's not aware that Pangol has this alternative, and actually, it doesn't really matter because his his answer is cloning himself. It's not saving yeah. the current race. Yes, she suggests that they will just commit mass suicide rather than just slowly die one by one. That's I mean, I'm really sorry, but that's crazy bananas. Yeah. What have the other people done? Like, <laughs> just because <laughs> one plan failed, are the others just going to go, yeah, I mean, I, I guess so. The chairwoman said that we should commit ritualistic suicide by wandering out <laughs> yeah. into the wastelands. I guess we should do that. That'll teach the Formazia a lesson. The Formazia is just going to move in. <laughs> <laughs> By the like way, you're not even done the courtesy of like dying in the building where they have to get rid of your corpse. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, maybe that's to spite them because they want the outdoors where it's nice and warm and radiated. Oh, true. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Like, oh, shit. Someone please carry these corpses inside where we don't want to be. By the way, Mina is played by Adriana Corey, who is okay. really mostly famous for one role in particular, and that is from Clockwork Orange from the Kubrick film. She's the woman who is assaulted by Alex and his uh, companions in A Clockwork Orange. Uh-huh. She plays the wife of the man who plays, well, who's de facto, you don't see this in the film, I think, but who's de facto writing the novel Clockwork Orange. Um, but, fun fact, the character of Mina was nearly played by Sean Phillips. Uh, Sean, I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. Sian, Sean? Sean Phillips, who played the Reverend Mother in David Lynch's Dune. Ooh. How badass is that? Now that everyone's oh, talking about Dune. Everyone is talking about Dune. Yeah. yeah. Uh, side note, have you seen the trailer? Have seen how awesome it is? I've seen it multiple times. I've not always been clothed when I've seen it. It looks great um <laughs> but uh, i don't know if this is a controversial thing to say i love the david lynch version of it uh, i'm assuming sorry i said lots of people do oh, okay well that's good how do you feel about david lynch's dune um i i think partly because i don't know material that well i've never been massively on board with it i find it a bit of a hard watch oh, okay what you don't know podcast land because i probably cut it out is we just had a massive dune tangent <laughs> We should start running this off. So how about you get to bring up two things. I get to bring up two things. Here's my first thing. What happened okay. to all the other guests? Uh, very good point. No fucking clue. <laughs> okay, that was an easy bullet <laughs> point out of the way. <laughs> Your turn. Maybe there, maybe there was an offhand comment about when shit starts going down that they leave or they're confined to quarters. I don't know. C- confined to This is the worst center parks. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I, this might be something you want to cut as well, but I do kind of want to chime in. Like, have you been to Centre Park? No, like, never. 
I, I want to make this clear as well. Uh, podcast land. Maybe you're overseas and you don't know what Center Parks uh, is. Or I don't even think Center Parks is an English thing, but it's tremendously hu- or British thing. But it's tremendously huge here. But it's yeah. uh, they're like holiday resort things. You go there and you get to try archery, and there's probably like a climbing wall and a swimming pool. Yeah, it's the, big with the thing children's that, families. Yeah, I think it's good if you if you basically go as a group, and especially if you've got kids and stuff. Yeah. But you know, we went to one. It doesn't have a big complex itself. Like I think most of them there's maybe like a, a forest tacked onto it so you can you can go and hike in the forest you can okay. cycle in the forest or whatever do that for free okay they all have a swimming pool i think okay pretty much everything else you pay for so you want to go play it's, like, it's like a disneyland Not even kind of situation, squash. just squash just squash <laughs> you pay extra for that <laughs> is it basically like a i mean i've been saying center box this whole time and i have really no idea what it is but is it basically like a disney without the mascots Disneyland no like I mean they're, they're not rides to go on oh okay but well I mean okay yeah no sorry no I didn't know that but like instead of rides you have a climbing wall or you have some sort of athletic thing I mean maybe I don't know it's more like someone <laughs> has just given you your local leisure centre access to your local leisure centre in a woodland surrounding and, <laughs> and you pay for everything you have, you have to yeah pay for all of the classes and facilities and <laughs> The general public isn't allowed in. It's just you, your mates, and 500 other people. <laughs> okay. So you went to one of these. I've never gone to one of these. I, I don't plan on going to one. But if I did go to one and the people there said, all right, you now, not only are you here, you also aren't allowed to use the climbing wall. You ha- you are confined to your quarters. I would be very miffed. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> But also, I feel like if you'd just seen someone get killed, you might kind of understand. Mm, that's true. But <laughs> I may also be tempted to just leave at that point. Yes, this is true. Yeah, it's like, get my shuttle back here now. Maybe that's what it was. Oh, where are the other guests? Wait, hang on. We need to get rid of these people. This gives me an idea. Maybe we could have that docking sequence in reverse three or four times. <laughs> Kill a full minute, why don't you? Anyway, it's your turn. Yeah. Bullet point me. Okay, I'm not going to separate these out because they're super linked. Okay. I really liked the Fumazi language. Oh, yes. I don't know how you felt. Oh, slightly computery sound. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Very good, yeah. But you said, what about me? You bastard. <laughs> but, yeah, the, the two-part question to this is, why can't the TARDIS translate it? Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, I don't know. even hint? Maybe the TARDIS can translate it and that's why the Doctor understands what they're saying, but it's not translated for our benefit so that they seem even more alien. I like the idea that he then takes the, like, voice modulator thing so that everyone can understand him. Oh, that, yeah, that's a really nice little touch. He he grabs it off Brock. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, I am now Brock. (laughs) (laughs) I am now speaking to you in the voice of Brock. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah, but no, Doc doesn't understand them. Like, he's continuously kind of like going, oh, you want to what? With a what, what? I'm sure he is. Oh, really? Oh, maybe. But he's also rather decrepit at that point, isn't he? Mm, yeah, well, possibly. Maybe that's just his bad hearing. Yeah. <laughs> Either way, totally on board. Two thumbs up. <laughs> okay, what you got? Okay, we didn't really talk about this, but there is a romance here between Mina and, can't remember his name, scientist guy. Harding. Harding, yes. There's romantic tension between them. Just get a hard on for Harding and then you'll remember. (laughs) Hey-oh! Nice. (laughs) Yeah. I like that there was a, a romance that wasn't, it wasn't schmaltzy. It's out there. We know that one of the, Argolin and one of the humans, they are in love. 
They've got something, it gives him some motivation to want to complete his experiment. It adds a level of desperation, but it was never schmaltzy. It was never, like, it never took over the plot. So I yeah. was very much on board with that. Yeah, I think I mostly agree. I think um, it flew a bit under the radar for me. I don't think I was, like, fully appreciating it a lot of the time. Like, so I didn't didn't necessarily always see the motivation in Harding. Okay. Just to throw in just a few unlinked random negatives, I think they probably are, really. Okay. Just there are quite a few scenes I didn't really understand what they were trying to achieve with and most of it was like Doc and Romana kind of sneaking around I think yeah the main one which I have written down at fault is like the latter half of episode three and they Doc lures like an Argolan guard over and he's, he's like oh I love that I loved that did you not like but it? Then the guard just like faints. Yeah, because the doctor writes a a problem, a mathematical problem on the side of the TARDIS that is so complex that it knocks out the guard. What? No. <laughs> I loved it. I loved That's it. Ludicrous. It's so good. I love that he's writing on the TARDIS. Like he doesn't even like just say something to him. It's the equivalent of there's so many times that we've had the doctor walk up to a robot and say something illogical and the robot's head explodes. It's the equivalent yeah. of that, but instead of like just talking to the god or hypnotizing him by the way we know that the doctor can hypnotize people instead of doing that it's writing on his vehicle (laughs) (laughs) anywho point is i love that scene i'm sorry that we disagree on that to be fair i my note is more a question than a a thumbs down but i yeah i don't think i like and yeah, the, the the thing that goes right alongside it is then because Doc and Romana are there with Hardin, like they're operating as a group. Yeah. And then Romana and Doc play hide and seek with Harding. They both just kind of like disappear at different points, and he's left there going, "What the hell's going on? Where's everyone gone?" <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's just super weird. <laughs> yeah, that's not very thought through. That's true. So we're rounding off this review with you bringing negatives to the table. When you give your official rating for this, I also really want to know what your original rating was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll let you know. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, on that note, shall we rate this? Yeah, why not? Oh, yeah. And now it is time to rate this. Did we laugh or hate this? Bing bong, bing bong, hey, la 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 Ratings. Writer Rooney and Cheesecakes, welcome to the uh, ratings part of this episode. <laughs> I'm starting this one off. This is an oddly Doc and Romana light serial, and I, I think that's pretty clear given that we've actually spent very little time talking about them. Overall, it's a little hit and miss, but, and this is a huge but, uh, they try to squeeze so much into so little time that I feel like we have to congratulate them. In the Leisure Hive, they have created ahem, a comedic thriller about a coup d'etat with about four different sci-fi conceits wrapped in interstellar war with touches of political intrigue, venture capitalism, showmanship, corruption, attempted pseudo-matricide, and an interspecies romance. That is not a small feat. (laughs) 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 When I started off, like, thinking what to give this, I I really wanted to say, you know, solid acting by the Doctor overall. But on reflection, I think that really only applies to him as an extra bumbly and decrepit Mr. Magoo. Because for most of this serial, his heart doesn't really seem to be in it. Not to me, anyway. Romana's pretty great in this one, though. Uh, at least as soon as they blow up K-9, because he otherwise would no doubt have coaxed out some jaw-dropping, childish overacting on her part. Apropos of which, Pangle, massive dick. Such a massive dick, in fact. I'm willing to say that this was the start 
because of the moral decline of insert literally any character ever played by David Haig. This whole <laughs> thing could have been a Steve Fleming origin story. And to be clear, Steve Fleming is bald in the thick of it. So he may very well have had a full head of broccoli before that. So there's literally no way to know for sure. Um, costumes are all right. The, the lizards, <laughs> the lizards look like they were fashioned out of fat people who ate too much papier-mâché. But they're still very nice. <laughs> the eyes are amazing. I love the new TARDIS. I'm not a big fan of the new outfit, though, or the theme music, or the logo. Very sorry. Swings and roundabouts, bings and bongs. Anywho, they've spread themselves pretty thin with this serial, is, is basically the point that I'm getting at. And, and despite four episodes not being enough to cover all the ground that they've started off with, and consequently having to more or less abandon certain narratives altogether in part four, they still waste time on pointless montages and replay at least two minutes at the head of episodes two to four. We've already talked about this. Anyway, that, that seems counterproductive to me. Extra minus points for there being a crying baby on TV at the very end. Crying babies on TV are the worst. I hope they throw him in a blender. And I, I don't say that because he's a baby. I hope you understand that, Jim, and podcast land. I'm really sorry. I'm saying that because we we know that he's going to grow up to be a horrible genocidal tyrant. So please, Blender, now. Overall, uh, the Leisure Hive teeters on that edge between utter crap and ambitious, lovable schlock for me. And it's it's probably not a serial that I'll be re-watching without my clothes on anytime soon. I do get the appeal of it nonetheless. And for that reason, I am giving this a... It's an above average 2.8. Ooh, interesting. 2.8, <laughs> 2.8, I'd say, yeah. Very nice little review there. Oh, thank you. I don't know what that accent is, but yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, as I hinted, I, I did give this a slightly higher score than I am now currently going to give it. Uh-huh. Hmm, you're making me wonder if I've gone too high still, but we, we will see <laughs> by the time I oh, stop. Oh, I see. Talking, <laughs> wherever die I will land. Just a quickly same page club you. I also have a negative note about the crying baby at the end. <laughs> Totally unnecessary. Like, it's an added soundtrack. You know that baby isn't on set crying the way it sounds. Yeah, it's exactly. Fed <laughs> have the baby there, but have it be quiet. <laughs> yeah. Have it be cute. Wouldn't that be the best flick on the nose on Pangle? Make him a cute, harmless baby. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, I'm interrupting you. Yeah, so I think for me, Pango and the 80s feel of this serial <laughs> is what I was mostly drawn to. Why why the hype machine was running through my veins. And I was just like, yeah, this is actually really good. You have definitely brought, uh, oh, so brought attention to a lot of flaws. And I hadn't really considered actually how little Doc and Romana really do in this serial. Like, and when Romana is stepping up to the plate, she's doing arguably the worst things a Time Lord can do. <laughs> and just like selling off their their tech and their ideas left, right and center. It's just like, yeah, you, you want to build a rudimentary time reversal machine? I'm your lady. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, P- Pangol, though, I super loved, and David Haig's portrayal of him. It's not often you get a journey of a character through four episodes that really felt satisfactory, I suppose. But it's, it's not like the character's arc. It's seeing behind the, the curtain every time, and it's seeing maybe like a, a level of a near drop from him, like underneath it or you know he's been running this this machine he's been trying to work on technology to clone himself the the guy that stood in front of a tourist and being a showman that's not pangle the guy that's happily running underneath mina and 
Horrocks, Morrocks, whatever the fuck he's called, that's not Pangol. Like, you start seeing him as time goes on and the wheels come off and, you know, he's he starts running the show a bit more. And I think that was really well done. I think uh, the portrayal of it was what sold a lot of this story to me, which I think is maybe why I was, I was okay with not really judging too much the fact that there is a lot packed in here and not a lot of it is always explored fully. Like, But I kind of liked it in a way that they intentionally have kind of two plans running at the same time to save this species. One is the Harding technology to rejuvenate their current cells. They still wouldn't be able to procreate, presumably. Maybe they could. I don't know. Depends what that really does. Mm. But the other is, well, none of us are going to live, but there will be clones of us around, you know. And it, yeah, it was good that they had those kind of storylines going at the same time. I don't think they you know, fully, fully worked to the best of their abilities, but yeah, it was an interesting premise. And yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the the romance side of it, and this particularly interspecies. Um, I hadn't really given it its dues. Like, I think that, I think that's quite a nice thing that they've put in this serial. And it, you're right that it's not like shoved in our face. It's not cringy. It's not sickening. It's just sweet, you know, I guess, in a way. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. So, I mean, along with all that, I think the, there's a slight double-edged sword with the effects in this serial as well. Like it, it's seemed to me like they they had spent a lot of time and money doing lots of new effects playing with the way they're going to shoot with the cameras maybe even using new cameras but i i wonder if maybe the blowing the budget in that sense is why things run a bit short perhaps maybe they had to cut some other things and they had to leave some scenes undeveloped or something i don't know yeah. which is a real shame but i i super love the production quality of this i love the soundtrack the 87th even like it in the intro like not not of a start but by episode four yeah i really enjoyed that maybe not the logo so much who knows as time goes on so i'm still definitely in the liking it rather than not liking it camp i was originally going to give this a 4.0 oh what oh are you feeling okay (laughs) were you dehydrated when you watched this and i was i was thinking (laughs) okay this is coming back down to earth a bit yeah i can't quite give it that looking through previous serials and yeah i couldn't really go much lower than the 3.5 so that's what I'm looking I at. I just now. preempted you. I wrote 3.5 for you in the document. Boom. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, excellent. Yeah, well, I think you've hit the nail on the head. Pangol really makes this serial. He does the job. Well, I like to think so. Oh, I didn't I didn't even get to the Famazi. The Famazi are great fun as well. <laughs> 3.6. <laughs> they have the their equivalent of handcuffs is throw a grenade and then a cocoon comes around the prisoners. Holy shit, I forgot about that. That was so incredible. Awesome. Wait, hang on. Do you want to give this 3.6? No. I might want to give 3.5. this a 2.9 now. <laughs> <laughs> How about we see what Podcast Land thinks? Oh, we're going to have to, aren't we? Oh, yeah. This love is now let's hear from Podcast Land. Max 250, or it would get out of hand. My, 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 we have a good old handful of minis with us today. Oh, yeah. First out the gate, it's Peter Zunich. What up, Peter? It's the Zunmeister himself. The Hello, Peter. <laughs> Hello. Peter starts. New intro, new music, new producer, better recording, updated effects, more serious, more hard sci-fi. True. It might seem strange to some, but my doctor is actually two doctors. From now through all of Peter Davison, this is my Doctor Who. Oh, that is exciting. We're getting to know Peter through these these serials. Good stuff. Yeah. Also, Peter, henceforth, I certainly expect you to contribute with a mini every single time. Peter continues, there are only three things that bother me about Leisure Hive. (laughs) What? 
First, the floating past the squash players where there is no reaction from the players. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Second, the obviously repeated swinging arm marching of the pangles. And third, the thought of balls falling off as you age really makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> the rest is totally tolerable. And some of it is outstanding. Indeed. Peter continues, Shining Star Award this week must go to Tom's aging makeup, yes. which would still be flawless on an 8K screen. It's better than many million dollar budget movie attempts. Yes. Uh, for reference, see Watchmen. Peter continues, the writing has a good deal of depth. There is a detailed backstory, a diverse extended world, and decent characters. Both the Argolin and somewhat Famazi would be a great New Who race, and it would be great to revisit them. Retro rewrite. Tom doesn't really do much here. There's also intrigue, but very little action. I also feel there could have been a better explanation as to why people are dying in the machine, and what is causing all of the experiments to fail. There's just a few too many I's not dotted and T's not crossed. And Peter concludes, it's a good start to the season, but it's not amazing. Now, wearing my Mean Rocks t-shirt, I give it allegedly <laughs> recreational 3.6. Oh, nice one. Hey, Jim, are you regretting not adding 0.1? <laughs> well, yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent, Peter. Love that stuff. Awesome stuff. Thank you very much, Peter. Thank you. Who's next? Who we got next? Oh, uh, Wyatt Andy Parkinson. <laughs> Hello there, Andy. <laughs> what up, Andy? Andy's continued his passion of giving us a maxi review, which you can find on the website. Thank you very much, Andy. And the mini review. Thank you very much, Andy. <laughs> and the mini review, which we will be reading right this second. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And the mini review is basically, as Andy admits, a list of likes and... Boops. First up, some likes. The special effects and models are good and make the show look less cheap and shonky. Although the Earth Shuttle models are pan. Yep, agreed. Next like. The costumes and makeup are really good, and I really enjoy the Famazi only being shown in little glimpses. Very like Alien, it's better when you don't see the monster properly, and it adds to the mystery at least until the full reveal later in the story. Then, unfortunately, they look rubbish. Fun fact, the Famazi costume would later be reused in Hitchhikers as the Gugunvunt leader. Mm. And the last like is Tom Baker's portrayal of the aged Doctor is fabulous and it's utterly believable. Tom uh, at his very best. Yeah, 100%. Mm. Why don't you start off the boofs as well? I can. <laughs> and I shall. <laughs> Why is everyone taken in by the phony Brock's sudden acceptance of a seat on the board? And why is he, a West Lodge Famazi, so interested in Hardin's experiments as a possible source of revenue when his interest is in the running down of the hive so that his group can buy it? That's a good question. Yeah, I must admit, I think I kind of glazed over whatever Brock was after. <laughs> Do you think maybe he is after the tech? Like he wants them to develop it to a point where he can then take over and then they can live forever? Mm. Maybe as a nice little sideline. I mean, if, yeah, if you're seeing that tech there, it's like, well, I may as well see if I can get that as well. Yeah, we're not going to throw it away. Next, beef. The music. Although I'm fine with the new electro style, but there's just too much of it. Respectfully disagree. <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> Next up, we have... Pango explaining the tachyonic generator. He says he'll spend the next hour and a half explaining the wave equations. No wonder Argolis is going bankrupt. It's supposed to be a holiday destination, not the worst school field trip ever. That's what you said! <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much 
much. Same page, Club Andy. <laughs> oh, a hundred percent. And last, boof. The Pangle slash Doctor clones are clearly all different heights. That's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> I think it it was made worse by the fact that they're, they're shown in a line at an angle where you could easily have just put three of them and it wouldn't have mattered. And they had three that were the same height. It was just that there was they couldn't do five or something like that. <laughs> Anywho. And it concludes the reptile in a skin suit is reminiscent of V, among other things. And at least they don't have the flatulence problem that the Slovene do. Nice. It's a good story to open the new season, combined with the new effects, etc. Makes it an enjoyable romp. Hmm. And Andy awards this 3.9 Helmets of Theron out of 5. Uh, Marvellous. Yeah, very good. Pip Pip says, Andy, uh, Pip Pip to you, good sir. Can people follow Andy indeed. online? Why, they can indeed. Oh, they should. And, and they should. Yes, absolutely. Do go out there. Follow Andy. You can find him at Caffrey's 71. <laughs> That's 71. That? The number. <laughs> Thank you very much, Andy. Next Who up, we got next? oh, let me tell you. Next up, we've got Chris Tapps Paddock. Hello, Chris Tapps. Hello there, Chris Tapps. Chris Tapps starts. This story opens one of my favourite seasons of Classic Who, and is solid, but not as good as many of the stories that would follow. I will give this many points for being a departure from Monster of the Week sci-fi, and I love all the talk about tachyon energy. Furthermore, it continues the hard sci-fi angle by having a non-human character that doesn't somehow know how to speak English. Yeah, true. Mm-hmm. That said, continues Chris Tapps, I have to sub- subtract some for the old makeup Tom Baker wears that amounts to having pink oatmeal smeared on his face along with a bad wig. Oh. Well, totally disagree, Chris Tapps. Yeah, I told him a load. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. Oh, and the unicorn horn that drops berries as the Orgolans age is a less than successful choice. Agreed. In all, competent, but just lacks a little pizzazz, except for the brilliant new title cards and intro music. Disagreed. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and Chris Tapps gives this 3.4 out of 5. Holy moly. Okay, I'm, I'm seeing a bit of a trend here. Good stuff. Thank you very much, Chris Tapps. Thank you, Chris Tapps. Next up, we have got John. Night. I believe we have a mini jingle for this. Pitch in whenever you're ready, Jim. Here we go. Come on, you got to do that sometime. Don't leave me hanging, dude. Oh, Jesus Christ, man. How does it go? <laughs> okay, you do this. You do the don't chicken 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 Sorry, John. (laughs) It's the thought that counts. Right, John starts. The Leisure Hive always has and always will hold a very special place for me from the moment when the TARDIS materializes. And I thought, as a young child, that it had squashed the poor Orgolan who was trying to educate the group to the magnificent Helmet of Theron and the incredibly memorable Pangle March. This one I certainly did not want to miss out on providing a mini for. Well, mission accomplished, dude. John continues, the opening scene is one I often tend to skip over. It's just JNT strutting his stuff and showing his disdain for the advent of K-9 in the first four minutes of the program. But everything else is absolutely incredible. A wondrous blast into the future, 80s style, 
with the new intro and music, the Doctor's new coat and scarf, and the newly enhanced approach to the incidental music and its use. Interesting. Controversial stuff here. John continues, It is not without its flaws, I'll admit, but I have a difficult time really seeing them through my rose-coloured glasses. This is the first story to air in the UK after the day I was born, and the Pangol March remains one of my top three favourite incidental music tracks of the entire original series. Oh, wow. Um, All right. Hello, John. Welcome also to your birth in Doctor Who land. (laughs) 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 And John concludes, one of my top five favorite Tom Baker stories, but not my favorite of the season. I'm going to give this 4.7 out of 5. God, all right. Which is the approximate number of times the helmeted extras had to loop around and out through the recreation center door. Wow, 4.7, holy moly. The fellow man of the literal 80s, I can understand why you love this so much. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Do you agree with John? Do you disagree with John? Do you just want to follow John online and see what the hell he's up to? Stalk him. I don't know. Whatever. Do you it. can find him at nightwriter80. That's night with a knut. <laughs> <laughs> That's really clarified it. Good stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks, John. Thanks, John. Next up, we have Kirsten Doherty. That's how I always pronounced it, Kirsten. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I mispronounced it the last time. Welcome back. Long time no see. Yeah, welcome back on board. Kirsten starts, you mentioned Formasi. Mm, The Leisure Hive is one of those stories that I like, but I really don't know why. It's not that great, really. And at times, it's boring as hell. Gone is the funny and sometimes bonkers fourth doctor. Now we will have a very serious and moody fourth doctor with tacky question marks on his shirt. Oh, hooray. (laughs) (laughs) Then follows a list of pros. First pro, the overall look is very good. Director Levitt Bickford did a very good job with the look of the show. Sure, he took nearly six months to edit it and blew the budget, but it looked good. Hell yeah. The older Doctor makeup looks very realistic and well done. The Doctor writing a problem on the TARDIS to knock it out was entertaining. Yes, here's my friend who agrees with me. (laughs) And the last pro is arrest the scarf! (laughs) That was a really good line. Then follows a list... Deliver that way. (laughs) (laughs) No, you did a good job. (laughs) (laughs) Then follows a list of cons. First gone. The music is so fucking loud. I get it, JNT. You wanted to show everyone the show has changed, but the background music shouldn't be one of the first things I notice. Next con. The Famazi costume looks cheap as hell. I don't even care about how a huge ass lizard fits into a smaller body. It looks like a monster head on top of a green trash bag. <laughs> Very flattering. <laughs> <laughs> Next con, I was super happy that John Leeson returned as the voice of K-9, but then super pissed five minutes later when he blew up. Yep. <laughs> you know what? I didn't even peg it that John Leeson was back. Yeah, it's John Leeson, <laughs> so, man. <laughs> all the scene. <laughs> hey, it's a speaking part, so at least he got paid. Ah, true, yeah. <laughs> and the final con, how were the neck restraints that were put on the Dr. Romana so easily taken off by an alien? <sighs> yeah, that's a good point as well. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> And Kirsten gives this a very good rating, I would say, of 2.5 tacky tachyonic crystals out of 5. Lovely stuff. stuff. Thank you, Kirsten. Thank you very much, Kirsten. Okay, final reviewer. It's Mr. Paul Waring. What up, Paul? Hello there. Hello there, Paul. And Paul starts. Oh, dear. (laughs) 
The leisure hive, not very good, is it? <laughs> Two minutes of Pelling Brighton Beach gives us an example. <laughs> I was kind of hoping that was just the review then. <laughs> Such a good start. Two minutes of Pelling Brighton Beach gives us an example of the slow, pondering nature of this story, which manages to run under time despite the padding. Baker is a far cry from his majestic performances a few seasons before, and the rest of the cast is underwhelming. There's nothing particularly wrong with the plot. Scientists meddling with time experiments, rival factions jostling for power, and a planet destroyed by radiation have all worked in other stories. I really like the concept of the Fomazi, although the cheap costumes and the limited exploration of their background doesn't do them justice. They are put to much better use in the 8th Doctor novel Placebo Effect, which I highly recommend. Hmm, thank you very much for the recommendation. Overall, says Paul, for me this story marks the point at which Baker has stayed on too long and the show needs a new actor in the leading role. Oh, wow. It is towards the bottom of my classic Who rankings and doesn't have the redeeming feature of being so bad it's good or hilariously bad acting. See the horns of night. Come on. <laughs> Well, it may not surprise you with those words that Paul leaves us in the realms of a two out of five. Oh, excellent stuff. He also adds a PS. If you ever branch out into recording music, I reckon Children of the Generator would be a good band name. Yes, it would be. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Paul. Popping that in the cap. (laughs) Very nice. Thank you very much, Paul. Paul can be found at P. Waring. (laughs) Thanks, Paul. Thanks, everyone. That was all of those reviews done. That was our reviews done. That was our chatting done. I think that's basically the leisure hive dealt with. Good job, old chum. Yeah, this hive was leisured. (laughs) This pleasure was hived. Whatever. (laughs) Well, what magical treats do we have coming up then? Marvellous question. Next up, we have a new who, namely the woman who lived. Ooh, interesting. And in the classic channel, we'll be next talking about Megalos. And at some point, we will be delving back into Audio Land as well with Prisoner of the Sun. Awesome stuff. Uh, in the meantime, if you want to get in touch with uh, myself or Leon, you can find us both on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Leon, where can they find you? Uh, still at Ponkin. Yep, that's right. That's it. Still one in those cans. <laughs> well done. Okay. It's going to be consistent at least. <laughs> and you can find me, Jim, at Jimmy the Who. Excellent branding. Yes, it is. Yeah. It freaks me out when you, you don't question it. Oh. <laughs> I've had a blast. Thank you very much for this soiree. Wait, thank you. And thank thank you out there in podcast land for listening along this far. You've made it to the end again. Congratulations. (laughs) Yes, gold star. (laughs) So, it just leaves me to say, um, you've been wonderful. Take care of yourselves. Uh, There's a very strange world out there at the moment. Don't do silly things. Stay safe. See ya. (laughs) Yeah, stay safe. Stay healthy. Be responsible, people. Be rad and excellent to each other as well. And cha-chao. Kablamo! Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of who back when. Tell your friends! But I've got no friends! No problemo, tell some strangers! Hey! Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash who back when. All in one word. Are you into Twitter? Awesome. High five us online and we'll high five you right back. You guessed it. We're at who back when. All in one word. Check us out on Instagram for behind the scenes photos and other Whovian goodness. Watch our videos or even listen to our podcast on YouTube. That's whobackwhen.com slash YouTube. Vote us up on Reddit. Listen to us on Stitcher and head on over to our website whobackwhen.com where you can submit a review of your own. Browse the article archives and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters, 
boosters, and more, which increases in Kablamos with every episode. And lastly, give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points. That's it. Rock on and be rad and excellent to each other. Catch your earballs in our next Who review or bonus episode. Until then, cha ciao. Who back when?